Amelia 100% thinks that this is her baby. Yeah. This is Kara's baby. And Megan's. <laughs> this is our baby. <laughs> I love her. She's I think she's mad because she thinks you're going to take her from me. Yeah, I think that's it. She's looking at the cow. She already is obsessed with baby cows. Mm. That's smart. It. That's she's it. a smart baby. She's such a smart girl. We're just going to record like this. I this hope everybody's cool with it. <laughs> We're not even going to tell a story today. We're just going to coo over Libby. Hi, baby. She's the sweetest girl. Hey, this is the Witch's Magic Murder and Mystery Podcast. I'm Kara. I'm Megan. This is Olive. <laughs> this is Olive. And we love her. She's so sweet. Really, I'm going to just do this episode holding Livy. I hope everybody's That's okay. With That's it. totally fine. Here we are, guys. All right. I'm here with another episode in our series about the Salem Witch Trials. Yes. Well, do we have anything else to talk about before we can start? I don't know. This is like our first time in person. Yeah, that's something we could talk about. Finally, we get to be in person. Nobody's sick. Yeah. There's a new baby. Did y'all know Kara had a baby? Did you all know I was pregnant? <laughs> Even Libby laughed at that. That's that nice of you. funny. Mom jokes. Um, we just put some new merch in the store, which you all may have seen. Mm-hmm. We did lots of changes in the store, trying to make things more size inclusive and yes. also equally priced. Like, I didn't ever like how, like, 4x 5x cost more than no. small medium large so now no. they all cross cost the same across yeah. the board we switched out some products for sometimes there were a few things that were constantly out of stock and it oh, was annoying yeah. so like we basically try to improve everything and just make it more representative of what we want to be okay all right so the last episode in the uh salem witch trials we talked about tituba sarah, sarah and sarah. sarah okay yeah this time we're going to talk about three sisters Rebecca, oh, I love their story. Mary, and Sarah Towns. Yeah. So I'm not going chronologically. These aren't like the next three women mm-hmm. to die, but I like their story. And uh, Rebecca is actually in the next group that is hanged. So I'm kind of going to talk about her for a little bit and go into all of them. Are we ready? All of ready. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Um, the three sisters were the children of William and Joanna Town. It's T-O-W-N-E. They were living in Great Yarmouth. Mm. Yarmouth. Probably. Rachel, your, tell us. Your mouth. Your mouth, England. Mm-hmm. Rebecca was the oldest, born in 1621. Mary was born in 1634. And Sarah was born in 1641. Oh. They actually had a fourth sister, but she died when she was five years old. So she's I mean, not that's around a good for the story. In between. Oh, yeah. Well, they had brothers, too. Oh, were, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, whoa. Three brothers. And I think it was like... Daughter, brother. Oh, okay. You know, they had yeah, some yeah. boys in between there. Okay, so this is a huge family. And the family immigrated to the Massachusetts Bay Colony and settled in Salem sometime around 1630. Now, if you're super into math. Like we are. Like we are. I mean, I just. I don't know why schools aren't tripping over themselves. Oh, God. I love math. We're so good at it. You throw numbers at me and I'm automatic. I'm just making up word problems in my head. It's so fun. Constantly, like, Mm. texting me word problems. Just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best. Some people text memes. We test each other math. (laughs) So (laughs) you caught that Rebecca was born in 1621. And we've been talking about the Salem Witch Trials, which are in 1692. I know we've only just begun this series, but you've met four accused witches so far, and they're all generally the same age. And you can kind of see how they ended up being accused, not because it was justified, but because these were women who didn't follow the rules Mm -hmm. of society. They were basically outliers. Yeah. Rebecca does not fit that mold. At the time that she went to trial, she was 71 years old. Isn't that wild? And she had acquired a reputation, this is in quote, Acquired reputation for exemplary piety that was virtually unchallenged in the community. Why? You know, she's like us. Yeah. 
So let's learn more about this super pious woman. Let's do it. She was described as saint-like. But let's burn her for witchcraft. Exactly. Okay, so Rebecca married Francis Nurse around 1644. Francis was an artisan, and he made trays and other wooden household items. I know. And it's like, um, if you're from around here, it makes me think of Berea and all the cool artisans who make stuff Mm -hmm. out of wood there. It was kind of a rare thing to have a lot of, like, nice wooden household items back then. So he was this really esteemed artisan. People thought highly of them. It's something that took a lot of great skill. This wasn't just rudimentary, like, here's a piece of wood. Make it a tray. (laughs) So Rebecca and Francis had eight children. Four girls and four boys. And in 1672, Francis even served as Salem's constable. Stop. So, like, I didn't know that. This is like a, a good family, yeah. well known. They like them yeah. in the community. They're not like, you know, some of these other ones we've talked about, they've been poor or they right, haven't gone right, to church. Right. They've all not yeah. gone to church for they're, one reason they kind or another. Of kept to themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, this city didn't really know about or the town didn't know about them that right. much. Yeah. They seem like they might have some mental illness. Yes. The one lady was guilty of fornication. Bridget Bishop ran a tavern. Like, these are not wanted red fabric. The same. She wore red lace. In 1678, Rebecca and Francis were able to do a lease to own thing on oh. a 300 acre farm in the rural village part of Salem. Okay. And the farm still exists today. Oh. It's known as the Rebecca Nurse Homestead. Francis huh. and Rebecca were active in the community, and they often would bring Francis in to serve as like a mediator when there were town disputes and stuff. So, again, what on earth? Think of, in your town, think of, like, the well-known family that's just generally thought highly of, and they yeah. never have any drama. They're just they good go people. to all the town hall meetings. They go to, like, all the sports activities. Yeah. They that's do them. the potlucks. They, yeah. Then on March 23rd, 1692, a warrant was issued for Rebecca. Edward and John Putnam. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Is it Putnam? 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 Put- I think it's Putnam. I think it's Putnam. We're right. Mm-hmm. A surname that We're we've heard before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're familiar Even with the Putnam we've heard name. It before, we don't remember how to pronounce it. <laughs> I've never been sure, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. They accused Rebecca of witchcraft. And this is so sad to me. Rebecca was like, I'm absolutely innocent, but clearly I must have done something that's made God unhappy for him to allow this to happen to me. <sighs> that's how pious she was, you know? And she's almost like, if God's unhappy with me, then this then is I must his will. It. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I don't know what I've done, but clearly I must have done something. Yeah. Of course, people were stunned by the accusations. Plenty of people came forward to talk about how kind and gentle the woman was. She was an invalid. They came and dragged her out of her sickbed to, like, Mm -hmm. take her in. Yeah. 39 of the most prominent members of the community signed a petition in support of Rebecca. Okay, so let's pause there. Rebecca has been accused of witchcraft, and she's in jail. It's March of 1692. Yeah. Then a few days later... Rebecca's sister, Sarah, was at church for Sacrament Day. Now, Sarah is about 50 years old, Mm -hmm. and she's a mother now, too. She'd had three children with her first husband, and at this point, she's married for a second time to a man named Peter Cloyce, with whom she had three more children. So Sarah's at church, and Samuel Paris, remember, he's the all-powerful minister of Salem, so, like, he's basically the most powerful man in town. He announced that the text he would be reading that day was John chapter 6, verse 70, which read, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one is a devil? And that's when Sarah stood up and walked out, allowing the door to slam behind her. Wow. I know. She's hot-headed, and I love it. You know, Sarah's sister has literally just been right. accused of witchcraft, yeah. like three or four days before this. And many people interpreted this walkout as an act of protest and yeah. solidarity with Rebecca. Yeah. 
You can imagine that this overt act of defiance did not sit well with Samuel Paris. No, no, no. But it sits great with me. Yes, I'm we a love big it. fan. Yeah. Soon, accusers came forward with Sarah Cloyce's name in their mouths. And I was thinking about Will Smith and how to make a joke out of that. But <laughs> get Sarah Cloyce's name out, out your mouth. Out of your mouth. That'll um, be a meme now. Let's make that. That'll be my post for this. <laughs> Abigail Williams, she's Samuel Paris's 11-year-old niece, and we've heard her name mm-hmm. among accusers before, and also 16-year-old Mary Walcott. So on April 11, 1692, Sarah Cloyce was publicly interrogated, and of course she maintained her innocence. Mm-hmm. She faced one of her accusers, and she was like, when did I hurt thee? And the person was like, oh, a great many times. And she went, oh, you're a grievous liar. <laughs> I love her. Rebecca is so, um, it's not that she, she wasn't real agreeable about it. She right. maintained her innocent, but she was much more demure about yeah. all of it. You know, she's yeah. like, well, this is God's will. Whereas Sarah's like, oh, this is a grievous liar. This is ridiculous. So Sarah was committed to jail without bail. Mm. So we've got Rebecca and Sarah both in prison. And then on April 21st, 1692, their sister Mary also found herself under arrest for witchcraft. Now, Mary had married Isaac Eastie, a barrel maker, and the couple had 11 children. This is a seriously wow. fertile family. That's a lot of nieces and nephews. But... <sighs> yeah. Like Rebecca, Mary had a reputation as a good, pious woman in the community. So her arrest came as a surprise. And right. I think it's funny. They're like, like Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Not Sarah, though. Not Sarah's, Sarah's not quite wild. She's as, <laughs> you know, quiet and demure She's as her spoken. sisters. <laughs> So all three sisters find themselves under arrest for witchcraft. And all three sisters are members of the church. They're all well-known. They're all liked in the community. Yeah. So as I read more, I didn't know this either. I learned that their mother, Joanna Town, who I mentioned at the beginning, Mm -hmm. she was rumored to be a witch back in 1670. Oh. She was 75 years old at the time and living in Topsfield, not Salem. And most people think that the rumor started because she had found herself at odds with another powerful family of course. in Topsfield. So of in Salem, course. like the Putnams and Paris, mm-hmm. you know, they're the, the powerful names. Mm-hmm. Um, in Topsfield, it's G-O-U-L-D. Yeah. Gould? Gold. Gould. Gold. But this family had accused a minister of intemperance, which I'm sure we all know, but... <laughs> The best I can tell, it meant that he lived a little bit too lavish of a life to be a minister. People didn't think it was appropriate. They're like, what are you spending this church money on? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so Joanna came to the minister's defense, which made this powerful family, the Gold family, Mm. mad. So then they started rumors that Joanna was a witch. So now it's just trickled down. Interesting fact. The Gold family was close friends with the Putnam family. Funny. Hmm. All the jerks hang out together. (laughs) And as we've seen so far... The Putnam family, we've seen this so far, and then we'll continue to see it throughout the series. They're the most active accusers in the Salem witch trials. So later, Isaac, who is Mary Eastie's husband, he got on the wrong side of the Putnams when he testified against Captain John Putnam over a tree dispute. And I'm not going to tell you anything else. I think it's more funny just to be like, it's a tree. They got mad about some trees. It's a tree dispute. (laughs) Don't we all? So basically... People think that Mary Eastie found herself accused of witchcraft because the Putnams didn't like her family and because her mother had been a rumored witch and her two sisters were already imprisoned as accused witches. Right, so they were like, just throw her right It's there. almost like, yeah, like you're just screwed because you're yeah. sisters. So when Mary was arrested, she was questioned in front of her accusers. And whenever she would clasp her hands together, 
one of her accusers would clasp her hands together and she'd act like she couldn't pull her hands apart until Mary pulled her hands apart. I can't stand kiss. And then, (laughs) I mean, it drives me crazy. When Mary would incline her head, the afflicted girls, her accusers, would be like, oh my God, she's trying to break our necks. I mean, it's so frustrating. So during the questioning, of course, Mary maintained her innocence. And at one point, one of the judges, John Haythorne, he was like, he turned to the accusers and he said, are you quite sure yeah. that Mary Eastie is the one who's hurting you? So it sounds like he also wasn't yeah. entirely sure. Yeah, he's like, are you, what are we doing here? But they said yes. <sighs> and Mary went to jail. Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all over mm-hmm. again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo, uh-huh. T-Y-M-O. Yes. And it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need. It's all over social media right now with products from $59.99 to top of the line straighteners. Each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are. So Karen and I received a couple of the products. Oh we gosh. got a so straightener and a blow dryer. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used. It has a cordless design, which makes it so right. handy. You traveled with it. Yes. So it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge MCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay, so I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally curly wavy hair so it was a huge game changer for me it dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny which i noticed immediately Mm -hmm. i didn't even need to straighten it afterwards and usually i do because usually i have all those wild like curls left over the wind power on this thing is intense it's wild like i turned it up i was like let's play with these buttons okay so it has three magnetic styling attachments they're all amazing you know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like oh my gosh this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's right. gonna be so tangled not with this one nice. and it's magnetic so it's great so right now you guys our listeners can get 30 percent off their first order at timobeauty.com t-y-m-o beauty.com using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now, we don't really know why, but on May 18th, Mary is released from prison. Mm -hmm. But then two days later, Mercy Lewis who's one of her accusers, is like, Mary Spector was afflicting me. And so Mary was put back in jail. And as soon as Mary was locked up again, Mercy's fits stopped. Stopped. Mm, Funny how that happens. Mm -hmm. Mm. Okay, so let's go through the trials. Okay. First up, Rebecca. So I've already told you about one of the magistrates. His name's John Haythorne. His wife was one of Rebecca's close friends. And there's also Jonathan Corwin. Now, Usually, in the other witch trials they had presided over, they basically acted like, well, you know, it's easy to see that this person is guilty. It looks really not in question. But with Rebecca, they had, like, a different attitude. They said, if you're innocent, we pray that God would show your innocence. It is a sad thing to see church members accused. What is that? I mean, 
maybe you could My think friend because it's wrong. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And maybe. it's not just that she's a church member. You know this woman. Yeah. And maybe it's just sad to see anybody accused because we shouldn't be doing this to people. No. But they did it anyways. No, yeah, of course. So Rebecca went on trial on June 30th, 1692. She represented herself. We've talked about that before. People, lawyers representing people in cases like this just wasn't a thing back yeah. then. Many prominent members of the community testified on her behalf, including her family. Spectral evidence was allowed into trial. So this is the thing where they're saying, you know, Rebecca's specter afflicted me. And so, like, her accusers would break into fits, and they say Rebecca was tormenting them, even though Rebecca's just sitting there still. Yeah. But this was meant to show that Satan was working for Rebecca, causing harm to those who accused her. In response to their outbursts, Nurse stated, I've got nobody to look to but God. Just going to keep my eyes on God. The jury found Rebecca not guilty. However, and I thought, oh, good, you know, yeah. and the town supports her, so this is great. great. But apparently, that's not what happened. When they found her not guilty, there were people who were really mad about it. There was like a big public outcry. I don't understand it. And then the people, of course, the accusers were very upset. Oh, I'm sure. And so then what happened is the judges reviewed the case with the jury, which is a thing that is allowed, is not allowed now, but it was right. back yeah, then. yeah. They asked Rebecca, so the jury requested a second chance of deliberation. There was this one thing that happened during the trial, and the judge pointed that out to the jurors. He was like, are you sure about this part? Maybe you should ask her about that part. So what he's referring to is this time. So there was another accused witch named Deliverance Hobbs. Yes. And I think Deliverance tried to testify against Rebecca. And at the time, Rebecca responded by saying, you know, why do you bring her here? She's one of us. Mm -hmm. The implication that the judge and the jury was making was one of us, as in we both signed a pact with the devil. Right. She's a witch too. Right. And so the jury is like, Rebecca, explain those remarks to us. What did mm -hmm. you mean by saying she's one of you? However, Rebecca is 71 years old and very ill, pretty deaf. Like mm -hmm. she can hardly hear a thing. So she did not hear this question. Okay. She just didn't hear it. Mm-hmm. And the jury took her silence mm -hmm. as a refusal to answer the question yeah. or an admission of guilt. Yeah. Now, later, when her children spoke to her and they're like, why didn't you answer the question? And she's like, what question? I didn't hear the question. And then when they told it to her, she was like, no, I only meant one of us as in we're both accused witches, mm -hmm. which obviously that's what she meant. Yeah, like, that's exactly. so obvious. What else would she? Yeah. But anyway, she's quiet. She can't hear a thing. I relate to this. Yeah. <laughs> Then they find her guilty after she'd already been found innocent. Can you imagine the relief you would feel when they're, like, not guilty mm -hmm. and, and then, then have somebody like, oh, take it away from you? We got some questions, though. Oh. Rebecca was hanged on July 19, 1692. It was customary back then to bury the hanged witches in shallow graves near the execution spot because they were considered unfit for a Christian burial. And local lore states I that Rebecca's this. family snuck back in after dark, dug up her body, and reinterred her on the family homestead. So her final resting place has never been confirmed, but her descendants erected a tall granite memorial in the family plot in 1885 at the Rebecca Nurse Homestead Cemetery. That's so cool. I know. It makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. Mary went to trial and was sentenced to death on September 9th, 1692. So when Mary... Like, before she went to trial and during the trial, mm -hmm. Sarah had repeatedly petitioned the court yeah. to let her uh, submit evidence of Mary's innocence. Right. 
and asked that spectral evidence not be allowed because it's a bunch of crap. Mm -hmm. But her requests were denied. Of course. After she was sentenced, Mary gathered her family and gave parting words that were described as, quote, as serious, religious, distinct, and affectionate as could be expressed, drawing tears from the eyes of almost all present. Mm -hmm. I know. And part of me is like, what'd she say? I tried to look it up. But then I was also like, I mean, I just love words, especially powerful, emotional words. But also, it's none of my business what she said in those moments to her family. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine the sadness and the heartbreak. But we can see an example of her kindness in her last petition to the court, in which she doesn't beg for her own life, but she begs for the lives of other falsely accused. I petition your honors not for my own life, for I know I must die and my appointed time is set. But the Lord, he knows it is that no more innocent blood be shed. The Lord above, that is the searcher of all hearts, knows that as I shall answer at the tribunal seat, I never knew the least thing of witchcraft. It's like she's so accepting. She still has all this faith. But she's like, I know there's other people coming. Yeah, and she's just like, please. Yeah. It's not about me, but think about this with future trials. Mary was hanged on September 22nd, 1692. And of course, she had already lost her sister at this point. And she knows that her other sister, Sarah, is still in prison. Sarah remained in prison for over a year, but was eventually released. She spent the remaining years of her life fighting to clear her sister's names. After her death, all the charges against Rebecca and Mary were dropped. I just hate that she didn't live to see it happen. I know. She did get to see some good things happen, though. She was released from prison because the court that had held all the witch trials was dissolved by Governor mm-hmm. William Phipps in October yep. of 1692. So just a month, not even a full month after Mary like, was hanged. I think there's some things going wrong here. Yeah. So he dissolved that court and appointed a new one. And this new court was instructed to ignore all spectral evidence as well as the testimony of the afflicted. So in January of 1693, the charges against Sarah were dismissed. She paid her prison fees, and then she and her husband moved to Boston, where they immediately began working with several other church members, including one of Rebecca's sons, to bring action against Samuel Paris, which makes me so happy. Just mm-hmm. go after that man. Yes. They were hoping for a full apology, but at the very least, they just wanted to have them have him like dismissed from the church. Yeah. Like, if he's not going to apologize, just at least get him out of here before yeah. he can hurt more people. He doesn't need any more power over anyone. This fight went through many ups and downs until finally, in 1697, they were successful in bringing a civil case on behalf of Salem Village, and Samuel Paris was removed from their church. Look at her go. I know. In 1706, Rebecca's accuser, Anne Putnam Jr., Oh, this, yeah. She gave a public church confession. And remember, we haven't heard all the stories yet, but she's popped up, I think, in every episode so Mm -hmm. far, and she's going to keep popping up. Yep. So she gave a public church confession expressing remorse for her role against Rebecca, Mary, and Sarah. She said, I desire to be humbled before God for that sad and humbling providence that befell my father's family in the year about 92, 1692, when the wish trials happened, that I then, being in my childhood, should, by such a providence of God, be made an instrument for the accusing of several persons of a grievous crime. So she's basically saying... You know, this thing was happening to my family, and I was just a kid, Mm -hmm. and then I was used to bring accusations against these people. Yeah. Whereby their lives were taken from them, whom now I have just grounds and good reason to believe they were innocent persons. 
and that it was a great delusion of Satan that deceived me in that sad time. And I think that's so interesting. Yeah. Because I just wonder how much she was instructed, Mm -hmm. or maybe she just believed the things that her parents told her. That's what I was going to say. Like, when you're young, and you know, when you're in church and stuff, if someone's telling you this is so, this is evil, go with it. Yeah. You trust the adults. Yeah. And I have a hard time trying to decide how much of this is groupthink, how much of this is just pure evil. Right. It's probably a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. And when you've got children accusing, it's really hard to look at a kid and be like, we don't believe you, you know? Yeah. And that's the problem. You want to believe people who come forth, right? you have those little jerks that are kids and they just tell little white lies about your kids all the time and you're just like, are you kidding me? I know. That's what makes me crazy is when they just... um, it's people like this. It started all the way back then, but it goes on still today. Yeah. That make it hard to believe actual victims. Yeah. It, oh, it, it sucks sure. that we can't just trust what people say. So the nurse family, Rebecca's family, accepted Anne's apology, but they never forgave Samuel mm-hmm. Paris. They held him personally responsible for their bereavement. Today, I love this. The town descendants, remember that was the girl's yeah. maiden name? The town descendants have a 442-member family association, and it features a quarterly newsletter called About Town, coffee mugs, Remember Rebecca t-shirts, annual reunions, and the determination not to let history be forgotten. How cool. Another cool thing I saw is Rebecca Nurse is the ancestor of several notable people, including Mitt Romney, Zach Braff, and Lucille Ball. What? We wouldn't have Lucille Ball How? if it wasn't for Rebecca Why? Nurse. Oh my mean, gosh. Yeah. So that's it. That's That's the story of the town sisters. But think of how many kids all three of them had, like these huge families. So they have all these descendants who are obviously still working to keep their memories alive. How cool. I know. I love it. Do you want to do (laughs) some Patreon shout outs? All right. So now we're going to do some Patreon shout outs. Yeah. If you are at the Body of a Goddess or the Janet level of our Patreon, then yes. you get a little shout out on the show where we mispronounce your name probably. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. <laughs> I'll start here. Okay. Rose Kurt. Joel Sidbury. Chelsea Connor. Justin Russell. Kristen Husby. Sarah Smith. Lauren Feltz. Emily Parsons. Emily Casablanca. Brianne Valenzuela. Elizabeth Allen. Claire Tennyson. Christy Pleasant. Uh, Michaela Tubbs. Mm-hmm. Selena Llewellyn. Yes. Julia Aldana. Yep. Listen, having a baby changes your vision. <laughs> but I'm waiting a couple more months to go to the eye doctor because they're like, no, it, it might go back. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Jessica Billaveau. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heather King. Hmm. That was a lucky. You got lucky with yeah, that one. Yeah, that was a good one. Alexandra Kidd. Oh, okay. Jackie Argetta. Mm-hmm. Argetta. Argetta. Mm-hmm. I think that sounds perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. Hi, Jackie. Thank hey. you. <laughs> Thanks for having. Oh, look, she just joined like an hour ago. So, hey. That's probably the quickest we've ever gotten to a shout out. Wow. <laughs> We're really good at this today. Thank you all so much yeah. for being part of our Patreon and listening to us even when we're getting easily distracted by babies, as just happened again. Like, I literally yeah. just got lost for just a second. staring at her. She's so soft and sweet, and she smells so good. She does, yeah. So we love you so much. We are planning, just FYI, in case you're wondering, to be back to two episodes a week starting in March. Yeah. It might not be the very first week in March, but it's going to happen sometime in March. As always, we try to make sure that we can keep up with our family lives first. Yeah. So if we have to skip some weeks here and there as we get through March and April, 
I know you guys will be patient with this. Yeah, you all are so good about it. Yeah, we always just love you guys so much. I always feel like, oh, shoot, we got to yeah, skip an episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you back in person, too. I know, it feels so good. It's it feels normal. Reunited and it feels so good. Okay, we love you so much. Goodbye. 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 <laughs>